0: Welcome to State of America Chats.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the State of America Chats. We're moving right along with these Ian, and I'm, I'm having fun doing them. And according to our downloads in the comments, people are enjoying are enjoying them.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they are because uh, we have fun doing it. It was just kind of a an idea we had on a whim and decided to start doing it and and I'm glad people are enjoying it. We get a lot of good feedback from them and uh well, and a great it, thing.
1: it's good to do it between like the crows episodes because I mean we can spread those out. I really enjoy them and I think a lot of people do. So I mean plus we get talk I mean we both listen to things other than the black crows.
2: Oh yeah, I listen to a ton of things other than black crows, like any well adjusted music fan does. and I know you do too, so it's good to just sometimes you know uh open it up to uh, other topics
1: it's funny because we really have nothing to talk about when we come on air no that was really that's the whole idea and just kind of start going i mean i you know
2: sometimes i'll try to think of something ahead of time but i don't tell you it like i just think oh i'll throw this out there and see so Uh,
1: sometimes i've just looked over at my vinyl collection
2: that's usually what i do too
1: and to that end I have a question for you.
2: Yeah. And I don't even know the answer and we've been friends all this time. Yeah. And I really don't know where you yeah. stand on this, but uh what's your feeling on the doors?
1: I like a few songs and that's it. A few songs and that's it? Mm hmm I like uh The End. I like Roadhouse Blues, I like LA Woman, Light like My Fire because my dad sang that all the time. That's probably about it.
2: I hope he wasn't singing it to you.
1: No uh, weird. Yeah, it would be awkward. <laughs>
2: So you said LA Woman I'm assuming the song but have you ever actually listened to that record like top to bottom?
1: Uh yeah I have because when Billy Billy Idol did a cover of that mm-hmm. and and put it out and heard it was a you know a um a door song I remember trying to give give that a try. That's one of the later ones, right?
2: That's actually their last record well last record with Jim Morrison. They actually did two records without him that people largely ignored until a little more recently and they got a little more attention but yeah that was it. I just, I love that record. Like, uh, uh, as far as the doors go, like otherwise, like I like a lot of their stuff, you know, through, through each album. And I've, I've been buying the, the anniversary reissues they've been putting out, which are kind of cool with all the bonus stuff, but I really love that LA woman. It's fantastic. It's
1: a great song. Um, you, man, I tell you what, you're a sucker for buying records. I am too, but every yeah. time I talk to you, like I've been to the record store and I picked up, you know,
2: I try to go to the record store these days at, like it's like a once a month venture for me cuz I do a lot of more stuff uh, buying online I, I belong to a lot of groups uh, that you know vinyl sale groups and things
1: Do they know you by name there?
2: What the record store? Yeah. No,
1: no, I mean they know me enough,
2: you know, where I walk in and, and you know the regular guys that work there like the manager and stuff they know me cuz the one guy at at this particular shop I go to is a big Black Crows fan so yeah, I, he knows that I do the podcasts and things, but uh, you know, he's—I don't—I keep a very low profile when I go into these places. I, I keep a low profile when I go anywhere, really. But I don't, it's—I don't know—and I, I, I don't mean to be like derogatory or anything like that, but I can't stand when I go into the record store and I'm browsing around, and there, it, always, always, there's one guy who, at the top of his voice, wants to talk about with whoever's working there the obscure stuff that he's picking up so he can be cool or something. I don't know. It's just, it's embarrassing to me. So I always keep the volume way low on myself for that reason.
1: Yes. Sometimes it can get annoying when like, uh, people are like, Oh, you got to try this. You got to try that. Like I am real bad about if you try to force something on me, I'm I'm not going to like it. Like for instance, I had, I had a roommate one time that just loved dinosaur junior. And you know, that stuff is mixed very loud anyway. And yes. he just blared it twenty four seven and I was like, They're the worst band ever. I'll never listen to them. And for like twenty years I thought that. And recently I've started getting into them. I've gotten a couple of their vinyl records. But like I can't have something forced on me. Like Chris on my other podcast tried to force the gaslight anthem on me for years. And finally I relented and they're one of my favorite bands now. But like I just kinda gotta come to it in my own in my own way. And a lot of times it just happens like a song for whatever reason clicks, like with the cure. I watched them on the Hall of Fame induction, and they played a song called "Shake Dog Shake." I was like, "That was really good." And then from then on, I love The Cure. Weird how that kind of stuff happens.
2: It is because people trying to force a band on you was like you know when your mother used to try to force you to eat something you didn't want to eat. Yeah, and then years later, you're like, "Oh, this is actually quite nice." But yeah, yeah <laughs> but um, yeah, I never got that. I mean, really, what you like is what you like, and who cares if anybody else likes it? Really, I never, I was never big on arguing music. I like to just discuss music. Well unless you say something stupid like uh Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, I mean there's certain, you know, undeniable truths about things, but you, you
1: know, know, if you say something like David Lee Roth's a great singer, I'm like
2: <laughs> every chat you have to bring up David Lee Roth, don't you?
1: It's our it's our it's our
2: little thing. <laughs> and by the way, I would never say that David Lee Roth is a great singer. I would say he's a great overall entertainer. I uh, that's my opinion.
1: And see, I'm not big like all right, I'm going to rant here. I'm not big in the whole like entertainer thing.
2: When it's, I, when when I like, say entertainer, I don't necessarily mean entertainer. I just mean more like, I guess I say frontman,
1: you know? Well, like my wife loves Beyonce. For her birthday a couple year, years ago, I, I paid for her and her friend to go. And I pointed out to her that like there are dozens, if not a hundred people that help her put out an album. I mean, you can say she can sing, all right, but then you go see her and it's just dancing and stuff the whole time. And I'm like, she's, I was like, she's just terrible, you know? Uh, and she's like, well, she's an entertainer. I mean, I think, entertain, quote-unquote, entertainer is for people that aren't really into music.
2: From what I understand of her in particular, I mean, she's a, she's a very good singer. She does, is knowledgeable about music. The, the only thing about her is, is she's bought into her own hype. Like she yeah. really thinks she's like this, the best there ever was, and it's like, listen, I could go back to the '60s and '70s and find, that, you know, a dozen
1: people, you know, that are way more talented. You know what I mean? There's a few bands I think pull off the entertain, like you two, their stage show and everything. To me, it doesn't take away from the music; it it accentuates it. Uh, but then, like you have like Kiss. I mean, it's just like going to a. Have you ever seen Kiss in concert? Once, yeah. It's just like going to a fireworks thing, you know?
2: The thing with them that bothers me is like, oh, they put on such a great show. They put on such a great show. And like, yeah, they do once because I watch videos from the 70s, like in their prime when they're doing all this stuff. And then I went and saw them because I think they were opening for, not opening for, but uh, co-headlining with Def Leppard and I wanted to see Def Leppard. So I saw Kiss, but it's like they're doing the same things. Okay, here's where he spits the blood. Here's where the smoke comes out
1: like they don't it's not any different so it's why why would you see them more than once it's like going to like a play you go see it at noon you come back at 4 they're doing the same thing yeah i think they're very very overrated who who's somebody else you think's very very overrated that a lot of people like okay think on this for a second While I
2: think on it what do you got in mind
1: i never got into the strokes yeah are they highly rated i know that I th- their, I think their they, first I think record was very I think they may have won a Grammy.
2: I haven't followed them for a while, but I like their first record, which I think I don't even remember what it was called, but um, you know the one that has like uh, "Take It or Leave It" and "Last mm-hmm. Night." And but other than that, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Overrated. Let's see. Kings of Leon. They're too varied to be overrated to me because they, at least to me, none of their records really sound the same, and that's at least interesting. They did get a lot of hype in the beginning. I'll tell you an experience I had similar to that is bands I never looked into because they were hyped a lot. Mm-hmm. And that could push me away from them. And I can tell you one right off the bat is My Morning Jacket. And
1: I I, I couldn't tell you a note of their music. I know, I know you're a fan of theirs. Is that right? I'm a fan of a particular era. I like At Dawn, It Still Moves, and Z. To me, Z is one of the best albums that came out, has come out since 2000. After that, I'll, Evil Urges, I like about half of it. But then... The last three albums just have been... Jim James has gotten to where all he does is sing in this falsetto voice. And honestly, the music sounds like something you would hear on like an adult contemporary station.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to circle back around that early period. I'm telling you, like
1: overhype like that just
2: turns me off. You
1: know? At Dawn and It Still Moves are very, very accessible.
2: I could tell you, the, the overhype thing, which kept me away from the Black Keys for the longest time, but then I heard... I think it was 2010 or so, the, the Brothers album, which just got a reissue for its yeah its tenth anniversary. So it would have been 2010, and I, I loved that record when I listened to it. And it kind of drew me back to to some of their past stuff, and so I really like them now.
1: Well, they make it hard to, to like them. In what respect? Just if you listen to any interview with them.
2: Really? Are they are they jerky?
1: They're just I don't know. I find them off-putting.
2: Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an interview with them.
1: Yeah, like I think they were on, like Joe Rogan did a long form one on Joe Rogan. They're they're very very arrogant. That's a shame. I like Dan w
2: His one solo the last solo record he did. I thought was great. Which uh I don't know how much attention it got, but I thought it was a great record.
1: You know, he did that Marcus King solo album. He, he the Eldorado, he, right? He produced it and wrote some of the songs.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the guy definitely knows a lot about music. He's just kind of arrogant when he's in interviews sounds like somebody else we know
1: <laughs> yeah he uh you know the best thing about them is that feud with the white stripes with jack black
2: see i don't i don't get that i mean you can definitely tell where the white stripes informed their music like the white stripes is the thing that came before him that, that kind of like lo-fi sparse sound you know kind of thing but uh I don't what was the nature of that feud was Jack White accusing them of stealing or were they saying that I they were I think so an you know they
1: got to a point like I think they like got into it at, like one of their kids soccer games or something You want to talk about overrated there's a guy that's
2: overrated Jack really? White
0: Really And I'll tell
2: you why it's not that I dislike Jack White I like Jack White's solo stuff I like what he did with uh, the Raconteurs I like the White Stripes of course but people kind of inflated his balloon a little too large I think for example, there's a documentary called It Might Get Loud. And it's Jimmy Page, The Edge, and Jack White. It's like, which one of these is not like the other? You know what I mean? But, you know, that being said, he's also done a lot towards reviving vinyl. And like, I, don't misunderstand me. Like, I don't think the guy isn't talented. And I don't think his music isn't great. I just think that a certain faction of, whether it be critics or whatever, kind of overhyped him. And I, I don't even think it's his fault. You know, I think he's. Just a guy making music. Yeah, you know? I I wanted nothing to do with the White Stripes until I saw them at Voodoo Fest in New Orleans. And I think that was o3 so they were probably on the Seven Nation Army tour, mm-hmm. and they played Death Letter live. It was unbelievable. I mean, they were unbelievable for a two piece band, and they're outdoors in this park in in New Orleans. They it was unbelievable how they came across. They were great.
1: Yeah, I actually got on a kit. I've got I think three or four of their albums on vinyl. They sound really good on vinyl. They do. Yeah, but we'll go to Third Man Records, and uh, they'll have stuff there we can buy. And you can see that like recording booth where like Neil Young recorded an entire album. And yes, that's right, the Letter Home album. Yeah, I like album. I, I've been kind of on a crazy Neil Young and Crazy Horse kick here lately.
2: Well, they just he just reissued that
1: uh,
2: like a, a bunch of shows in one package from like 1990, I think. On the ragged glory period, it's yeah, to be. I haven't heard it yet though.
1: Yeah, they're just they when when they team up, they just sound so good. Cortez the Killer gets me in the fields every time. So does everybody knows this is nowhere, and then Powderfinger.
2: I like the fact that Neil doesn't lean on them for every record. I like how he moves it around and then brings them back later. And
1: we know he does the Promise of the Real. He does the Stray Gators. You know, he's just kind of yeah. all over the place.
2: The, the Promise of the real was a nice pairing with him. I think that really revived his creative spark a little bit, working with those guys. Even I mean, though some people don't like, especially that first record, they don't like it that much, at least lyrically. Well, man, he's he's
1: prolific. I'll give him that.
2: He is. It's almost like, well, you've said this about, um, I think you said this about Ryan Adams, but he needs an editor. Yes. You know? like there's, it, it, but it, uh, there's a kind yeah. of fun aspect to it more recent Neil Young stuff is like, it's, a, it's it's like panning for gold. You know what I mean? Like you sift through and you find these nuggets in, in these, in these albums.
1: Yeah. He, um, it's so funny. You know, our buddy Dave Chamberlain is, you know, a massive Neil Young fan. And yes. today I was just cranking crazy horse and all of us to another blue. I get a text from Dave Chamberlain. I thought it was quite a uh, apropos. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. You do that to me a lot. Really? Yeah. You want to hear something weird? so when i was growing up there were some like older people in our community that i just considered to be kind of like grandparents to me it's like three of them and like two of them just died have died in the past year it wasn't covid just natural related things and there was one lady left and i hadn't thought about her in a while and i was like you know when she dies it's gonna be you know it's gonna be sad three hours later my sister sends me a text that she said she died isn't that weird it's weird, man. Those it things f- always happen. Freak me out. Know what, I'm, I, not, I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking about you dying. Ian. Well, yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: I'm not one for those. I, I don't go for all those those kind of things. But if there is some thread of energy, I think, in in life that kind of connects things at times. Or, you know, it's it's it's, it's weird.
1: It's very very weird. Hey, I was going to ask you, man. I've really gotten into the Talking Heads, and I really missed the boat with those guys.
2: It's funny. I liked the Talking Heads when I was a kid for a little bit. And then I kind of moved away. And then uh, a buddy of mine who uh, unfortunately passed away uh, a few years back got really into them. And when he would get into stuff, I would get into stuff because I always took his recommendations very seriously because he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, he put me down a lot of good musical paths. So hearing their stuff now makes me kind of think of that. So it's a little bittersweet to listen to Talking Heads for me. But I, I, I mean... They have this this one live record called the name of this band is Talking Heads. It's, it's fantastic. And they only just recently well, probably within the last ten years I would say, like, reissued it, you know, on C D and Vinyl. So it was kinda out of print for a while. It's it's great.
1: Well, they definitely win the award for most awkward um Hall of Fame except Today? I, I don't I don't remember. It's just clear that David Byrne doesn't want to have anything to do with him. You know, and he's an odd duck and like it's just it's really, really awkward. He, it is,
2: and I I don't know the circumstances of their disbanding, but the stuff that David Byrne does, he really likes to do, and the directions he takes, he's into it. Like I can't fault a guy for like, okay, I want to do this, and you know, I, I'd like to do this on my own, or you know, his last record, I think it was called an American Utopia, was really good. Was it like world music? No, it was a little. I mean, he always has elements of that, but it was a little more Talking Heads than than maybe some of his other stuff. But, you know, and, but he's got so many other ventures that he does outside of music, too. You know, he's just kind of a a creative guy.
1: So radio, Radiohead got their name. I'm talking head song. Yeah. Yeah, I've really gotten into them. Like I said, I've gotten into Dinosaur Junior pretty, pretty good. I may go see them in a couple of months. Have Did you ever listen
2: to, because it's one of my top records of the era, uh, the Jay Massis record, uh, Martin and Me? It's Mm-mm. just him on his own. It's fantastic. It's very I'll sparse. But
1: I'll have to check that out.
2: Yeah. It's uh, very different than Dinosaur
1: Junior. Have you ever seen them? No, I haven't. They're from Boston, right?
2: Honestly, I honestly don't know. I don't know too much about them. I know I like the music and stuff, but I don't I didn't get crazy into, you know, delving into them.
1: I meant to send you a link the other day. Stephen Haydn did his top one hundred R. E. M songs. Did he really? Mm hmm. Yeah, I quit reading about number fifty because you're annoyed, or you no? Just I got, just yeah. I I was waiting on my wife, and then she came in, so I needed to go. That's a pretty daunting task.
2: It is, and uh, I bet you, even with the broad scope of a hundred choices, it was still difficult. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed. I wanted to uh, get together with Steve Hayden to talk about Kid A and stuff on, on the other. On the other podcast, but I, I never heard back from him. So maybe maybe I'll try reaching out to him again.
1: Yeah. Tell him you want to talk. do an REM album. Maybe that'll get him. Yeah. What's your favorite REM album? Honestly, these days, I probably have to say um,
2: Reckoning. I'm really enjoying Reckoning. Overall,
1: automatic for the people. The remastering that they did on that IRS Greatest Hits combo... Hmm is takes those songs and just makes them sound so much better like it's very noticeable if you go play them back to back like time after time no is that the name of it yeah time after time annalise yeah oh sorry i'm bad with titles i mean don't go back to rockville what i like about it is if you see them in concert mike mills sings it he wrote the song um camera is great south central rain harbor coat man that's a that's a that's a deep track that I love.
2: Harbor coat, yeah. Starts off the album, fantastic track. South Central Rain, I've always loved that tune. Um, Seven Chinese Brothers, it, it's, 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 like that's one of those albums. Like start to finish, I can just I can just relax with, and I don't feel the urge to like, skip over anything.
1: Did you get, have you ever seen them?
2: No, they're one of the bands I missed the boat on. The yeah. times I wanted to see them, it didn't work out, and then you know.
1: I tell you what, I'll give them this. They hit this horrible period after New Adventures and Hi-Fi, where they put out three or four terrible albums. But their last two were really, really good. Uh, they
2: were. I mean, I own up through New Adventures and Hi-Fi. That's kind of where I, you know, went off the course. But I've heard them, and I really should get them. Like, there's one I think called Around the Sun. I think is really good. Mm. If I'm remembering the chronology right, okay. I'm, I'm getting a little confused.
1: Well, the the next to last one was more or less just a rock record, a wide open rock record. And then the last one kind of had a mixture of everything. They have a song on there called um, It Happened Today and it's Natalie Maines and Eddie Vedder singing the, the play out on it.
2: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. See, it's a funny thing with them is like, I I liked them when I was a kid and I really liked Green and At a Time because I was when of the age when those records were coming out is when I was getting into stuff and and it's funny I I never went back to too much of their early stuff and I've only done that a lot more recently. And I really like their early catalog and uh, I mean it's worlds away from what they did later on, but you can it's cool to watch to see a band's progression. I always liked that.
1: Well they definitely they definitely changed. You know, yeah. You got it's, to where it's you could very understand. Subtle. You got where you could understand the vocals. Um, yeah. you know, the guitars weren't quite as jangly. Yeah, I mean they kinda I would say around
2: green was like the last true record of that early type sound. And then at a time is when they kind of started folding things over. And I feel like automatic for the people is like a completely different and it, entity.
1: And then they come and blow your ears off with monster.
2: I like monster monsters, like a, like an inside joke for a lot of people. Cause they say it's like, uh, you know, it's like the most commonly found album in like a used CD bin or something like that. You know, and it, you do see a lot of copies of that, that. I'm surprised. It's, a,
1: I think that's a great record. I, the the reissue they recently did of it is great too. Well, the remix is is fabulous. Yeah, uh, the I love that song "Let Me In," which is about Kurt Cobain, but I never could understand the words. And now with the remix, you can definitely understand the words. And "Strange Currencies" is a great song. Obviously, "Bang and Blame" and "What's a Frequency, Kenneth" are great. Yeah, I mean, I I yeah, I can't say a bad word about Monster. But I was like,
2: I right of I was 13 years old when that came out. That's like prime absorbing music age too. So,
1: well, the um, new Adventures in Hi-Fi though is the uh, that's the to me that's the hidden gem in their catalog.
2: Yeah, I think coming off of the the automatic for the people Monster Trajectory, I think that one kind of got washed over a little bit because it's a little more low key. In a lot of places,
1: it's got wake up bomb on my love, uh, electrolyte leave departure. um uh, Ebo the it's letter, yeah, yeah, just um, yeah, great band, man. i The last time I saw them on their last tour, I would have to say it's some of the most fun I've ever had in my life at a concert.
2: And I've come to—I used to think when I was younger, I used to think, well, I used to think like Michael Stipe was a little arrogant, but he's not. I like more recently. I'm very interested in. He has very interesting things to say. But I used to mistake that his kind of, you know, inward nature as arrogance. But it's not. He's just very introverted. I think in in a weird way.
1: Like a lot of us.
2: Yeah, but we're not. We don't front uh, bands. You know.
1: (laughs) I'm not an introvert.
2: I'm not. I mean, I would say I might be at times sometimes but a lot of times you're not you're not with me I'm well I'm like I'm like silent bob when I say something you got to really listen cuz uh, <laughs> I don't you know I don't just go blabbing around all the time you know so oh <laughs> uh,
1: well this was a nice little chat we had Ian
2: yeah i think we had a good old time man
1: yeah so uh, our new tradition is we both pick a playout song so i'm going to pick city of dreams by the talking heads what's yours going to be ian I think since we were just talking R.E.M.,
2: I think I'm going to uh, throw it to uh, Ignore Land of Automatic for the People.
1: Awesome song. All right, everybody. We'll have another chat with you soon. Take care. (laughs)